0: got a lot to say about the world i occupy every day but when i say what's on my mind i find i piss people off you're listening to what the folk real talk and raw tunes for revelationary times i'm joy damiani I'm Sarah Baranowskis. And on this episode, we're talking with Lauren Flynn, musician, songwriter, and leader of the band Buried Blonde.
1: And part of why I left my, you know, my my career, aside from starting to be more in my creative world, um, was that I felt that my day-to-day, the, the things that I was putting my energy into, which became more and more precious as I started learning and growing and respecting myself and valuing myself and others. And, um, I just couldn't, I couldn't do something where I didn't see results either at all or on a pretty regular basis.
0: But first, if you're picking up what we're putting out on What the Folk, please do drop us a quick little five-star rating or a review or both because that really helps us to get into even more people's ear holes. You can also follow us on your favorite platforms. Um, You can love us with your dollars or euros or any other preferred currency uh, via the PayPal at whatthefolkpod at gmail.com. And if you're one of our beloved What the Folk fam who's been streaming us on repeat and telling all your friends about us, we appreciate the whole entire fuck out of you. Um, Hey, Sabrina in Chicago, you did not even know your donation came with a shout out, but it does. When our Patreon is live, we will let you all know there will be gifts and bonus contents and it will be great. It's not ready yet, but blame it on the apocalypse because that's what we are doing. Now to get us in the mood for our conversation with the fabulous Lauren Flynn, here's a song by her band, Buried Blonde, called Like a Scar.
2: just says nah Laura
3: <laughs> it's <laughs> nah. from a
1: it's from a a, a, a guy that I it, well it's from a sober like a sober Instagram account and he makes all this really
0: cool stuff so nice, nice. I like it that's and my general vibe a lot yeah. of the time I'm like mm-hmm. mm, no nah. yeah
1: <laughs> and it and it's a full sentence too so it's it's great
0: yeah oh the period and nice. it's like polite yeah it's polite yeah. It's not like it's not like fuck you or nope, nah. It Just lets like people a,
1: know. It sets the expectations.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's it really does. I could
1: do honestly. <laughs> right. Bar. It's
0: like, do you see this face? Do you see this shirt? <laughs> Add them together, and you you have nothing to be surprised about. <laughs> <laughs> the bar
2: has been set at nah.
0: Yeah. And you're all posing uh,
2: by the fireplace.
1: Yeah, I have a Masterpiece Theater vibe going on here because I'm very serious, so, <laughs> Master- yeah.
0: Masterpiece That's Theater. fantastic. Awesome. You know, I was thinking, Lauren, my, my brother used to do this very, like, passive-aggressive thing where you would ask him to do something, and he'd be like, no, thanks.
3: <laughs> it's just like,
0: <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> and he would be very, like, polite and chill about it, and I was like, no, thanks, like... Uh, and and while they're sitting there thinking about it you like leave (laughs) it does the trick it works
1: for them it's a good defense mechanism
0: yeah yeah it worked for him really well (laughs) it's like you're not being rude
2: but you are it's kind of genius actually (laughs) yeah yeah it's, it's like it, yeah,
1: I mean, it, it could be a form of gaslighting, actually, but it does leave people wondering.
0: <laughs> well, considering the, uh, the family we grew up in and <laughs> the, the forms of communication we all exercised, I would say that, yeah, he was he was a like boss level, um, you know, is he gaslighting <laughs> me? Gaslighter. <laughs> <laughs> do
3: you look real good at on, it?
1: like, do you ever just like look back as you learn more about those dynamics and, and are just astounded? Like, wow, like that was all happening. And like, geez, how, how fortunate you are to have, to have transcended that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I'm sure you also, you've, the way you speak about that, it sounds like you have done the same.
3: <laughs> <laughs> A little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, don't. I
1: think it's it's like with sobriety too. I the, the layers and just like come back, you know, and it seems like it compounds as time goes on, just so much more is revealed and looking back, it's yeah, it can be pretty can be pretty astonishing and but it's it's great to learn from you know it's great to be it's a great vehicle for gratitude too mm-hmm. to really consider like how fortunate we can be if we if we commit to that path of like radical self-awareness
2: totally uh well I should probably introduce
0: you. (laughs) Speaking of being self-aware, we should be aware of who we're talking to. (laughs) Good good segue, good seg. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it's my speciality.
2: (laughs) My special (laughs) segiality.
0: Oh, we are in rare form today on what the folk.
2: (laughs) I know. I'm so sleep deprived. And I'm about to fly out to fish Mexico, so I am just all over the place today. But we are welcoming back to What The Folk, the fabulous Lauren Flynn. Hello, Lauren. Thank
1: you very much for having me back. I I love being here and speaking with you and listening to the pod.
2: Yeah. So I guess we can ask you, how is your apocalypse still going since the last time we talked? <laughs> yeah,
0: still, yeah, how has your apocalypse evolved? <laughs> <yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my apocalypse has, um, gosh, um, it's it leaves me very much in the present moment, I guess, is the best way to say it. Um, my, my main vehicle for the apocalypse has been music. And I think... I don't remember when we last talked, I don't know where I was in that journey. Did, did I have the band?
2: Not yet. Not yet.
1: Okay. So I have a band and, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was, which had a lot to do with what I was wanting to do in sobriety and what I was wanting to do up here. So my apocalypse has been really, uh, a journey of Beginning with a pity party that the thing I moved up here to do and had some momentum with was suddenly shut down as everyone's world was. Um, And a a way that I really dealt with that after I had a meltdown was to teach myself to record, which is something I'd been putting off, um, learn a couple different instruments and take the music I was writing and make demos that were very true to what was in my head so that when I bring them to an engineer, um, it's, it's a little more efficient and it's really a lot closer to what is going on inside. Cause I'm not the most musically conversant person. So sometimes it's tricky to relay what I'm hearing to other people, unless you find the right person. Anyway, um, so, so music has been the path for my apocalypse. Um, and it's been very positive. And as I don't know how things are where you both are, but it seems like things are easing up a little bit. People are starting to gather a little more. Um, And we just had a show at the Central Saloon in Seattle last week that was really the first time with the band that I felt, you know, there was a crowd there and we had kind of a volley going with the crowd. And there was Mm -hmm. that energy and real authentic responses to the music that we've been working on for almost two years now. Um, so it's been good. It's, I mean, it's definitely had its ups and downs and it's been choppy and it's been revealing, uh, on so many levels, but all of that has, I've really channeled it into creating, um, and, and making music. Cause I really, I think we talked about this last time. Like, I think creativity is just like, it's the answer for me, uh, for every, every, uh, every wall I hit.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) That is a, that is an understatement. I would say creativity is sort of a key to sanity in some ways. Um, you just did it. You just,
1: you just, um, I mean the, the song you just released was to me, that was the, uh, like, you were very in a space of like, I mean, I don't even, it's just that intensity, the intensity of feeling and you chose to channel it into something creative, which I'm sure, I mean, to say it was healing is probably pretty cheesy, but there's, there's so many other, it's powerful to like harness our own energy for our own authentic expression.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking as you were talking, I was thinking over the past, you know, a couple of years, year and a half as this pandemic has gone on, Um, I've gotten to know you a lot better than I, you know, I barely, I had just met you and we had you on before. And now over the past while, I've gotten to know you quite well. And we've shared each other's, uh, stories with each other a lot and gotten to see each other go through and come, come through some really, um, really intense stuff. And, and yeah, I think you've inspired me, um, a lot, you know, just watching your whole reinvention process and, uh, and forming your band and, you know, especially doing it as a sober person, which I'm not a sober person, but I've definitely like cut back a lot on my substances, um, over the past year and a half. And, um, yeah, it's just, I think watching, not only creating ourselves but watching each other create it's like this extra piece of healing that we get to have you know like I listen to a lot of videos while I do yoga about narcissism (laughs) 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 this is part of my routine in the day like judge me if you want but I'm getting really good well educated about narcissism and um and about like how you heal from it and and heal from narcissistic abuse and gaslighting and all of these things. And um, you know, one of the the uh the videos I recently watched was talking about how you kind of know you're healing when you're able to take your lessons from your pain and like identify them and not only if we could not only identify them but like turn them into something that's like creative and interesting and even possibly helpful to other people then it yeah it's healing as fuck so like um thank you for (laughs) inspiring me uh to to keep on the on the creative track can you talk, talk about some of the material that you recorded over the past year
1: um yeah so first of all thank you that's that's really um that's a really powerful thought. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. I um, I think one thing too about the, the reinvention that you mentioned is that, and I'm sure you're finding this too, a lot of it is just surrender. Like it presents as reinvention, but really what it is is every day just like coming to a deeper place of like, I can't control anything. I can control myself. That That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I can control. So I have to figure out how to react and how to respond to this. Um, what I've recorded. Um, so I, so it's a, it's a pretty straightforward rock band or a four piece rock band. And um, I started when I moved up here, I was newly sober. So that's another component to my apocalypse is like, I picked a really, really weird time to quit drinking. Um, and it, I think that made me isolate even further. But I started um, I got I got the last set of songs out of my system as soon as I came up here. That was the goal really to kind of just like purge. And I wanted I felt rumblings of something new. Um, the intent one of the big intentions of quitting drinking was to go deeper into like nurturing the creative process and like finding out what was underneath all the calluses of trauma sort of. And so what came out was a lot of really simple structure, which is sort of my MO. I like to surround myself with just like really, really kick-ass musicians. Um, And I, I write music that is simple and spacious to like have other people come in and and fill it maybe with something different each time. So the, so the main goal of the band, I mean, the music is pretty simple for me. It's all about chemistry and creativity. And so finding the band members during lockdown, because what I did is I recorded um, some demos. I taught myself to make videos. So I popped these videos up on, on YouTube. And then a couple of the places that I had played around Seattle before lockdown saw them and they were like, Oh, we want to book your band for our, like, live stream benefit thing for whatever. And I was like, okay, great. And then I called out my guitarist. I was like, we need a band. We got to figure this out. Um, So we started by borrowing the rhythm section uh, of another band um, that we'd met just before lockdown. Um, Shout out to Beast Folk and and that went well for the first couple of live performances and then we kind of went back into hiding and I just kept writing and then Nick started coming up from West Seattle every so often to sort of pepper things with his lead guitar and then and then uh, I think it was last summer we decided it was safe for us to go to a couple open jams Um, and then that started a new adventure at that point the music was pretty much done that was all there it was just like sort of finding these characters and that was a very different process for Nick and I, where Nick would see a couple of guys, uh, a rhythm section and a backline band, and then he'd be like, those are our guys. And from my perspective, as a as a female leading a band, it's like, I, I have a lot more screening to do with these guys, just to see, like, you know, like when we're talking about it, like, are they addressing me or are they going to you for every question? Or, you know, what mm-hmm. is their, where are they at, you know? So that launched into a whole caper um, that was a welcome <laughs> relief from a lot of the stress of the apocalypse, because by that point we were like, we were, we were ready to roll. Like once things started easing up, we were like, okay, now it's just a matter of like plugging in the holes. So, um, so yeah, that, that was really interesting. And, um, but now we have a solid, solid lineup. Um, we, uh we released a single so once we got the band together and actually we've a couple members have, <laughs> have sort of traded in and out but once we got a band together um the the drummer our main drummer who's on paternity leave right now but our the very blonde drummer mike he's a. Uh, he really wanted to record and I really wanted to record. So after the, the chemistry arrived, he was like, hey, have you ever thought of recording these songs? And I was like, that's exactly the plan. Like, welcome <laughs> aboard, you know? So, um, and he's, a, he's an insanely talented drummer. And he's like, well, let's get this moving. Like, I want to help move that along, which is huge for someone to not only want to learn the music, but to also want to like pitch in to make something that we can put out there, you know? So I said, well, I have this crazy idea. Um, there's like a dream studio that I have up here, which is um, Robert Lang's studio in Shoreline. And um, long story short, things fell into place and we were able to record there over four days this past summer um, with a really, really talented engineer, and producer, Jesse Field. And um, I'm really fortunate to have a, a group of guys who just intuitively have the vibe of like the feel that I'm going for and that the music is just like, kind of has, um, and it's, it's been a really cool process of like me learning to trust people, um, with my, you know, I'm used to being my own solo person and not having Mm -hmm. to deal with anything in music and, and in life. Um, so and I, and I explained this to the guys going in. I was like, just so you know, like, I am insane. And so this, you're not, like, joining a band. Like, you're joining a whole experience. It's like, it's going to be like a sci-fi movie. And they were like, okay, sounds cool. Where should I be? Like, you know, what time do you need me to be there? So, um, so it's really been very complex, which has also fueled the music. So now that I've never experienced anything like this, now that I have, you know, a solid... Um, a solid band and we have chemistry and we all like each other. Um, The music has been evolving even since we recorded it. And it's all um, in alignment with like what I had in mind when I wrote all these songs. So um, that, yeah, there's my
2: presentation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm such a word nerd. Like as soon as I like, you told me that was going to be the name. I was like, oh my God, Buried Blonde. That is such a fucking amazing name. And as soon as you get merch, I will buy all your merch because...
3: <laughs>
1: well, that's what I'm thinking about right now. And to address the name, so I had the songs and then Nick and I were committed to a band. And so we were just kind of sitting like, kind of, because I know that if I start going out to look for something, I'm not going to find it, you know? Mm-hmm. And luckily at the time, you know, I, it was just Nick and I for a couple of years. And so he... Is really down with my with my process, which is like just wait, like mm-hmm. it'll reveal itself. Just wait, which also is like a very feminine aspect, you know. Mm-hmm. So then, um, so now we have we have other guys on board, and it's interesting to be with that energy of 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 all of us. Like, because when things start going really well, you want to control it, right? We want to be. Like, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's, let's do that. Mm-hmm. And I have to. My practice is coming back to like just be present and and sort of wait for that. So we didn't have a band name when we were just like kind of waiting and I didn't want to force it because I was like, it's out there. I can feel it. I don't want to look for something or name myself. And um, so one of the, one of my like jobs, you know, I have my patchwork lifestyle is assisting a woman who um, like, she can best be compared to like Lucille Bluth. And she is- <laughs> oh. She's in a memory care facility, and so I, my role with her is to like take her to doctor's appointments. Um, but mostly, what she likes to do is just go shopping and then go to like Cheesecake Factory and just get drunk. So we were at Cheesecake Factory one day, and, and she's very interesting, you know, um, and also just comical. And so we're we're at Cheesecake Factory, um, which is um, which is also just a funny thing she has it's like her go-to place um <laughs> and and she's also a cancer survivor and her hair had just started kind of growing back and it was kind of like an ashy sort of color and she hated it like she couldn't wait to get to get her hair dyed and so uh we're sitting a Cheesecake Factory and she gets really serious one day and she goes listen I'm not even telling my own daughter this but you need to make it your your life. I don't care what you're doing and where you are when I'm on my deathbed. You need to make sure that I am buried blonde. And I was like, oh, that's our band name. And, and then what's funny about the role of this woman in this is that up here on the island where I live, which is like north of Seattle, um, we're experiencing a bit of like a I don't want to say housing crisis, but it's, it's tricky to find a rental, you know, like it is in all places. So, mm-hmm. um, I was in a bind and my last landlord had, um, or, or housemate had purchased a house. So we had to be out of, in like a month, you know, and I couldn't find a rental. So, um, Lucille Bluth's, uh, house here <laughs> on the Island is empty. And another part of what I do is I just like help the family like, you know, get the house fixed up or organized or whatever and so her family was very gracious and they said, well, why don't you go just stay at the house until you find a place? And I was like, okay, great. And then in that house, I really, this was a big house. Um, I was able to lock myself away and I had the buried blonde name. And then um, I think I bought a base and I just, I really, I, I, I never left because I was also working from home a lot. So it was just like, I was in this house of hers. And then she mm-hmm. gave me the band name. So it's one of those things where she's really like, a blessing. It's like, I sat and I waited, you know, and I, and I got the thing that I knew would arrive. So it's, it's those little validations along the way too, um, that have been really helpful and we will get merch. I just don't know. Like what kind of merch would you guys like to see? I like,
0: <laughs> knowing <laughs> winers, that story, I want to see a t-shirt with a blonde in a, who's like six feet under But like looking fabulous, okay. With that, with a vertical image, as you're talking about that, because that's a a profound image. image.
1: I should be taking notes. I'll remember. I'll. And
0: that's a really incredible story, you know. And it speaks to the way that, like, when we open ourselves up to other people and their stories, it, it it they really like deeply inform our own paths, you know. Like this, this, you know, woman's you know, desire, which some could interpret as shallow, maybe is leading to some like really incredible art and creativity and inspiration in your life. So it's like, is it shallow? No pun intended when we're talking about (laughs) graves and burial and such, but like, (laughs) I don't think it is at all. I think it, and it also, I think speaks to the sort of big question of like how we, how we face death in a big sense. And even in like the little senses, you know as like the death of of the old self and the birth of the new self is your new band like i think that's a i think it's some there's some really powerful metaphors yeah it to be drawn from from all of this so like yeah, I want some like trippy ass merch is what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> Maybe it could be her getting buried at a cheesecake factory.
0: Or <laughs> under a cheesecake factory.
1: Under oh, it's a graveyard under a cheesecake
2: factory. And that's it.
0: Get Cheesecake that's Factory moment. to sponsor you. <laughs>
2: Ooh, that could she, be incredible. She, yeah. Is there a Cheesecake Factory on the island?
1: No, there is not. So she's <laughs> the island and um her, you know, over here, I mean, she's, she's accustomed to, she's Lucille Blue. It's like, she mm-hmm. thinks of a banana <laughs> in $10, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so it's, it's interesting to, to be basically like a companion to someone. And it's been three years now
3: who mm-hmm.
1: is in the beginning stages of dementia, aware enough to know that their, that their mind is slipping and accustomed to a certain lifestyle and um and then there's also these comical things where she just insists and there's there's some great places across across the pond when I go to the mainland um fine dining experiences every every, every so often she'll remember that like Nordstrom has a cafe um <laughs> and so that's that's as close to her old life as we get but um like she loves claim jumper um cheesecake factory um it's really it's it's really intriguing but she's also had an interesting life you know she was uh she was a single mom she was working full-time in in like the 60s she was in, in a human resources department for a really big corporation uh one of the only women so she's like she's put up with a lot of shit she's earned her way um she's also a raging alcoholic which is super problematic and that can be very disruptive um to one's life. And so there's a lot of like, you know, there's there's just a lot of processing for her that um is is very fascinating to see someone who's 80 years old have epiphanies still, you know. So that's that's been really powerful.
2: Oh, mm. uh, that's yeah, she sounds fascinating and that's did you tell her that you that she's kind of inspired the art or <laughs> at all? Or? Oh yeah, I
1: keep cool. showing her, you know, because um, I and I don't think it hit her until recently because she, I, I think she thinks and rightfully so. Like I think she just thinks I'm just flopping around out here and like oh I'm in a band, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and so I I showed her a video from our most recent gig and she, I mean her 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 eyes just got so wide. She was like. Really? That's you, like, yes, Edith. I told you I was starting a band, and like, but I also don't think most people like do what I do, which is just like decide to do something and then all of a sudden be like, okay, yep, there it is. Here we go. We got our we got our thing ready to go. You know, so um, so that that was. What, but yeah, she knows. I tell her all the time. I'm like, Edith, look, Buried Blonde. We had we had a venue uh, save a parking spot for us. So I had I stole the sign which just says like reserved for Buried Blonde. And I take mm-hmm. it, I take it with us when we go to Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> I <don't> always <laughs> remind her, like, look, this is your, this is the band that you invented. Do you, you know, remember it saying, and, and I know we're not always supposed to say, like, do you remember? But she does, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, uh, I have a, I have challenges with conventional work, um. And this, this keeps me on my toes. It's the perfect, it's one of the perfect pieces of the
0: puzzle. That's so cool. Um, were you going to say something, Joy? Right. Yeah, well, I, just because you were saying, like, if, like, you might not be whatever, I don't know what conventional work is, but it sounds like you're very good at the work that you do, which is making music and, like, caring for this human being who obviously needs your care. And that is... You know, I mean, just the something you just kind of said passingly, which I kind of know about, but I think is interesting to explore. Like, you're working with somebody who has dementia, and like, one of the things you're not supposed to say is, Do you remember? And so that's an interesting thing. Like, when you're like, okay, I go down these rabbit holes, right? Like, memories are kind of what we are, right? Like, we are our memories. Like, once our memories are gone, we're a whole different person so it's like like when you die that's what leaves is your memories you know your body and your brain are, your physiology are still there your memories go away and so I could you like I know this isn't like really like necessarily about like your art or your work but it is like I'm curious to hear more about like why you're not supposed to say do you remember and like what the impact of that is with somebody who's um you know clearly beginning to lose their their mental strength
2: can I tack one part onto that question too because I'm also really curious that's so interesting um so I there's a lot of I think psychology research that shows memory is constructive like every time we remember something we remember it differently we retell Mm -hmm. the story so it's kind of another layer to that question too that I think is really interesting to think about so I would say that when I learned that that like blew my mind I was like whoa (laughs) Well,
1: it's okay. So to answer the first question, I think it's, I think the underlying concept is like shame, you know, because of course she doesn't remember. And so to, to remind them at the same time, she, she's, she's sharp and alert and it, and she's, you know, in her memory care facility, she there's no one for her to talk to, so she's in a very interesting sort of purgatory, because she can't live independently, but she hasn't lost enough of her awareness to just, you know, fit in with the others. Um, and so she's been very like she t- she tells me a lot. She's like, make sure you tell me when I'm forgetting things, and make sure. And so only in the past couple months, and I, and I have stopped telling her, um, unless I'm certain that she would remember, which I have a pretty good grasp on. But, um, you know, there's times now where she's asked at the Cheesecake Factory, she'll say, this is a really nice place. Thanks for bringing me here. And I'm like, we were just here <laughs> twice last week, you know? But um, so I don't, I don't like, those aren't instances where I would do that. And then the other part is, with the sort of the, the story retelling, when she tells me a story about her past, like her work experience or being a single mom in the 60s, um, those are the same every time, which I think are really fascinating. But I also experienced this with um, members of my own family who who um, develop, uh, eventually developed dementia. Um, in fact, when my grandfather um, began the early stages of Alzheimer's I was actually, I was living in LA and I was, I was in the midst of like my own, my own like revolution. And I had gone back to school, like for fun. And I was taking a biosite class. And then within that class, we started talking about, um, you know, things like memory loss and dementia and Alzheimer's. And then what really happens biochemically in the nervous system when those things start. Um, and so it was fascinating to kind of be at the beginning of that journey with my grandpa and, and have at least be made aware of like the, the chemical side of it, which kind of helps ease the flow, I think too. Um, and, and it's just another place of surrender to come to like, there's, there's no controlling it, you know, it's like, there's nothing you can do. And it's, it's it there are days when it's like kind of harrowing because you know we'll be driving around and i'm like what am i gonna do like like to to me to start to lose your your mental faculties it's like as it, it's it, it requires a lot of trust in the universe um and so sometimes it is like like frightening you know to consider that and um so it's very it's very real And it's not conventional. I wish it was conventional, you know? Um, But yeah, it's, it's real, it's real stuff. And part of why I left my, you know, my, my career, aside from starting to be more in my creative world, um, was that I felt that my day to day, the the things that I was putting my energy into, which became more and more precious as I started learning and growing and respecting myself and valuing myself and others. And, um, I just couldn't, I couldn't do something where I didn't see results either at all or on a pretty regular basis. You know, there's something to me about creating, creating something and, and then going through all stages of the process and being present for that, seeing it to completion or seeing an impact that something has. Um, and so I try to, I try to have my hands in things that, um, are making an impact. And that's one way, you know, working directly with someone, um, and supporting them in that way. And just being a, a, you know, trustworthy person in their life and a constant too, you know, it's like, it's been three years. I don't want to leave her. You know what I mean? It's like, it, I'm, I'm learning more about myself as I learn to like, kind of transition along with her, um, until I can so it's it's very it's also very challenging. Oh, yeah.
0: on all of like the big the big questions of life, right? You know, with with all of that and
1: at Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. yeah. At yeah, Cheesecake
0: Factory. <laughs> which is perfect, right? You know, we talk about the paradox and about like the comic mm-hmm. and the tragic next to each other. Like like of course you're grappling with death at the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> why not? Like why wouldn't it be any other way? Like that's that's where you're supposed to. <laughs> uh,
2: you need to call your first album "Death at the Cheesecake Factory."
0: <laughs> Please, oh my god, I'll buy seventeen of them and just give them to random strangers. <laughs> <laughs> you <go>. take it.
2: <laughs> um, I would love to hear what it's like as you're going out to play live music in Seattle, especially given you know Seattle is such a music-rich town. Yeah, just kind of, what are some of your strategies? What's, just what's the experience like of things opening back up and playing live with a band right now? Um, my, that's a big question.
1: Um, Seattle is a very, I didn't know what to expect. I, I live in the past. My, <laughs> to me, you know, my musical prime was uh, quite a few decades ago. Um, Seattle has been a, Seattle music, on the superficial level. I mean, since I moved here, it honestly, lockdown was was a blessing to me eventually because I, I ended up getting exposed to a lot more music of the Pacific Northwest, mm. going into deep dives and having the time to just be in these like, you know, Facebook groups of people sharing memories and archives and whatever um, really led me down a path beyond the superficial knowledge of Seattle music that I'd had, even some more stuff that I would consider to be a little deeper. Like I had no idea. So it's just been fun to, um, to to take that all in and learn how it all connects. um, and just sort of like, you know, put a timeline together and, and hear people's, hear people's memories. Um, So the community, like the music community up here is, I found it to be extremely supportive as far as like other bands. We mostly, so three of us in the band live on the island, which means we're kind of dictated by the ferry system. So our whole thing right now is doing about one show a month and an opening for people so that we can get out of the venue by like 11 and make the last ferry back to the island. Um, So that's kind of our our thing um you know we're waiting for the ep well there's a couple things happening and and I'm not in any hurry but um that should be mixed and ready to go by may i'm also wondering like how are we going to release it there's i'm you know i want to make conscious choices around music there's so much up in the air right now um it's like how do you, how are people how are you guys experiencing music right now hmm. Like new music. I mean, what do you, how do you, what is, what does that look like for you?
2: I don't know. I think I, I love like talking to other like music geek friends, especially friends who are really into like, you know, more contemporary. I've been in a super big, like contemporary psych rock hole. <laughs> if I have a couple of friends out here, they're just super clued into that. So, um, I like going on Spotify rabbit holing where I'll be like, Ooh, who listened to this band that I like? I haven't heard that band. They have a cool name. Then who listened to that band? And kind of like, it's like a fun way to, especially if I'm doing like, you know, kind of like whatever office work, it's like a fun Mm -hmm. way to do that. I think those are the main two ways really is like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't, Spotify that much anymore because I didn't want to pay for it. Cause I was like, they should be paying me and I'm not going to pay them to get rid of the ads. So I kind of deleted it. You can still find some, like my stuff on there, but so, but what I've been doing is I just use YouTube and I, um, I'll like put in an artist that I know or a song that I like, and then I'll let it sort of like suggest things. And sometimes I'll find stuff that way, but often, honestly, I'll be real. Like I am just, I just love that I can find all of the music of every artist I've ever loved on the internet now. And I can go into their deep cuts and like, listen to everything I never even knew that they had. And so I've been kind of doing that lately, more than looking for new stuff. Um, but I've really enjoyed when other people recommend something to me, because usually someone who's recommending something to me knows what I like, and mm. they're usually right. Um, so, yeah, that's why, like, I try to share the, you know, my friends' groups or groups that I like um with other people and be like, have you heard of this specifically? Because, yeah, I used to find things on Pandora. remember Pandora.
2: <laughs> oh, my God, Pandora. You know, I, I've had Spotify since, like, 2011, so it has so much information on me that I almost... I must find that an acceptable use of the algorithm because now it'll do like a (laughs) discovery playlist it'll curate based on stuff I listen Like, I don't know. I actually, I, I get a lot out of it personally. I'm like, okay, algorithm. You're a cool algorithm. I'm down with you.
0: <laughs> Useful algorithm. Pat it yeah. on its little algorithm head. Send yeah. it off. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, algorithms. I
2: have actually said that when they put a dope band that like I hadn't heard of on like a discovery playlist, I'll be like, "Thank you,
0: algorithm."
3: Yeah, thanks be the bots.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like to give the bots their due praise, and it's really interesting, right? Like as especially like in COVID. like I released new music twice now within the pandemic and neither time did I think I should play a show like I did a live stream show for my full-length album last year and then but then when I was putting out the new single I was just like I don't even know like this doesn't feel like a show this isn't I don't feel like I want to do things in public right now because I'm not a big enough deal, but I want people to risk things. <laughs> I don't want people to risk their health to come out and see me. Like I played one show that was in a, um, like a couple weeks ago that was in a venue in an indoor venue for the first time in like two years. And I was a little nervous, but I had just been boosted and I felt okay, you know? And, um, but yeah, I was like, you know, I love performing, but I don't, if I don't have to put people at risk, I don't want to like, I, so it's a, it's a hard thing. It's like, I get so much out of this. And I feel like other people love to be out there and seeing people perform, you know, but I don't know. How have you been? um, I feel like we're all sort of like retailoring constantly our approaches to COVID as, as we are learning more and more about all the things. So I'm curious, like, what your sort of, how you, how your thinking has evolved around that and, um, you know, how you're approaching this, um, being a performer as new information comes out.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, like, my thinking is still very much in, like, I mean, as an introvert, I don't want to leave my house anyway. (laughs) So, um, I do what I need to do to work, um, which is, you know, things like companion dog walking. I have some, I have some stuff I do technical stuff. I do from home, like supporting, um, nonprofits and, and causes I believe in. And, um, and I think it's like you said, just constantly like reassessing what feels right for for me and kind of reading the room and seeing you know this this last show we had was the first time that I was like oh my gosh this feels like we're we're gonna be normal again like you know it's it it just was so refreshing and then just powerful to remember like there was a whole time before now and um and especially with music it's like it's the thing that is the driving force in my life and to have that live element missing um is really hard because a lot of times that's like that's my social piece even though I'm not mingling with people I'm out and that's how I get my social stuff as an introvert I don't have to talk directly to people I still do but it's like that's my that's my way of being in community um and and I'm grateful that the last couple of years I was able to just like channel my grief essentially um, around missing so much because I was also, when lockdown started, I was only just starting my second or my third year of sobriety. And so the first year of sobriety, um, according to most people I talk to, it's like, that's just like, you're holding on, like, you're just trying to like balance it make it through the year and your brain is all over the place and then year two is when you're like, okay, all right, things look kind of familiar and we're gonna roll with this and then as things go on, it's like it's it's um, it's a whole new world and and I'm discovering like a whole new person. you know the person who was addicted to reaching for an escape all the time is gone. now there's this person who is just neurotic about running toward the thing. <laughs> and, and then doing whatever it takes to adapt to what I think will be the outcome that like the, the highest outcome. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, lot, playing live is, uh, is a, is a big part of, of like my musical identity. Um, and it's also a big part of the growth for me and for the guys as well to just kind of go from being up there to like, making our way through a set to being comfortable with everything enough to like be in the set. And, and that comes off and, and we, really, we, we really started to tap into that with our last, with our last performance. And, and like I said, we've only been performing like every six weeks or so um, for a couple of reasons, but we wanted to perform just enough to kind of get our name out there and, and network with other bands. Um, to start putting some some cards together eventually, but not so much that we're like oversaturating people, um, just enough to balance out the recording and the
0: upcoming stuff.
3: Awesome.
0: Like I feel as though this um, this pandemic period and this sort of like re restarting period is giving us a chance to value ourselves and to value the work we do in, um, in a different way than we were able to before. Uh, first of all, like we should recognize ourselves as essential workers and, um, and value ourselves as such. And, you know, I'm, I'm all about like playing fundraisers and things like that, but like, I, I, I want to see my friends charging more for tickets to their shows. And I want to see, you know, I want to see people being able to support themselves on the work that they're doing because it's acknowledged that they're taking a big risk in doing it. You know, like just when, when you're standing up on a stage and you've got a thousand, even if you've got 20 people like standing ten feet in front of you, they're all like propelling their particles at your face. You know what I'm saying? Like, and even if there isn't a pandemic, that's a risk, but like, because we have when there is. And, um, and this, you know, music and art are things that we have turned to, to stay sane. Um, you know, we're the, we're helping bring sanity to the people, which is, you know, aside from food and shelter, is kind of what the people need. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I just, I appreciate that you're taking your time and your work seriously and you're prioritizing, you know, your life needs. And, um, and I want to see more artists doing that and, um, hopefully, you know, like the government doesn't change things until the people decide to change things, right? Like Canada has subsidies for artists. Why don't we, you know, if there's I think New money, York
1: just, um, no. it, New York, well, first of all, thank you for seeing that. It is a new thing for me to, to balance all those things. And I, I appreciate being seen. Um, and, and, and then to the other point, I did just read something where New York and I think San Francisco have a, um, what's it called? Basic income or whatever for Universal artists. Basics. I don't remember what it is, but, mm-hmm. um, but there are a couple programs you have to apply for it and whatever, but, um, I did just see that, but only within the last couple of days. And I do think that it would be wonderful because it's, I I want people to have music and it's, it's part of the surrender. It's like, I just can't be anchoring myself and dying on this hill of like, I don't want to do anything digitally and I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. It's like, I probably have to put, you know, I got to put it all, I'm not going to get paid for a lot of the stuff that I do. And and what I do is I like like I'm managing a band, which is a ton, doing the PR, writing the songs, managing the ba- interpersonal,ly managing the band, you know, scheduling a rehearsal space, renting the rehearsal space, um, it, directing the songs, producing the songs, getting into the studio, like all of this stuff is like that's a beyond a full time job. It's a lot to manage that sort of growth, like personally and musically, and and be in that space. And then, and then, like you said, I there was a photographer at the last show and he's a friend of mine and he came up to me after and he's like, I wasn't going to come out tonight. And he's like, I'm glad I did. You guys sounded really good, but I didn't realize how much I needed that. Mm. You know, he was like, I just, it's it just the whole thing. It's like the the crowd and the music and the volume and the lights and the, you know, it's just, it's something that is visceral that um, we as humans and spiritual beings
2: like need. I just got chills mm-hmm. cause I'm, I'm about to go see music. Oh, you are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have my favorite music too, oh, uh, on a beach, okay. which I never get to but anyway, um, you mentioned being seen and just, I don't even know if this is a question, but just one thing <laughs> I love about you, Lauren, and like how we've connected is like, it's so rare for me to find someone who thinks like I do who like looks at all the pieces at once and gets frustrated with people when it's like, just cause I'm saying this doesn't mean I'm not saying this. Like, why do I have to explain that to you? Like you can live in multiple <laughs> truths and paradox. Your spirituality is baked in with how you exist in the material world. So I just appreciate the hell out of that because I feel like such a weirdo walking around this freaking planet i chose to incarnate on so (laughs) i just appreciate you know when i meet someone that i'm like oh shit i'm not the only person
1: (laughs) no right back at you i feel like we can we can go like a long time like yesterday when when we connected it was just like i felt like i had just talked to you like five minutes before you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's like we're just like oh you're on that page too we'll get a load of this you know it's like it's 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 i i feel the same way thank you
2: yay
0: yeah, I feel really lucky to be around um, both of your brains because I tend to I tend to actually be be bad at looking at all the pieces of things. I can get very um, singularly focused. It's a thing I've been learning about like trauma brain and trauma survivors we tend to we tend to get very hyper focused on things and forget to take a step back and be like, oh, look at all these pieces here. I can put them together and make a really cool puzzle. <laughs> well, like I, I don't need to just stand here in, in the void and be like, what's what going that? on?
2: <laughs> well, sometimes it's good for me to have somebody who can be more singularly focused. Cause like, this is why when someone asks me my opinion on something like, I'm usually like, well, I have a mixed bag, this and that, and this and that, this, you know? And I'd like, I have, like, I have troubles and so I can like literally see every layer of everything sometimes. <laughs> so it's good, especially when we're, you know, trying to keep our podcast conversations on point to have somebody that's
3: like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: anyway, I appreciate the shit out of you too is what I'm saying. Yay. Yeah, say a
1: mutual it, and appreciation I can, and moment. I relate to like getting into that, like, that single focus, you know, it's like where the neuron is firing and it's just Mm -hmm. like, like nonstop. And that's, and you're right. That is a trauma response. And so, um, it, it again, surrender and like patience is the name of the game for me. And just sometimes I have to stand still and just be like, all right, I'm focusing on this right now. What do I do? And then I wait for an answer, you know,
2: and I wait and I wait, and I wait. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that feels like a pretty good place to <laughs> put a little bow on her, unless you have anything else to add, Joy, or anything else you want to mention, Lauren? Yeah. Uh,
0: I can should gonna, wait for
2: longer.
1: I'm going to work <laughs> on that merch with a vertical image. Um, maybe get a
0: sketch together at Cheesecake Factory today. <laughs> I kind of. Perceived... I have an image in my mind. Maybe I'll like sketch it and send it to you <laughs> yeah, see, if, see if we're thinking of the same thing. I okay. even thought of
2: like a tarot card like image. Ooh! Whoa! Like yes, and skeleton, yes, and. blonde hair it could be the death card. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Ooh! Ooh. Ooh and that is vertical. Mm-hmm. That's a vertical design. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. I like that. Yeah. We need to run with. It. Ooh, a beach towel too. Uh, like yeah. a beach towel, like lining the coffin or yes. the card. Maybe like the card is like a ooh. See the constructive conversations we have here on what the folk. I'm pretty. Amazing. I'm, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us and for bringing your music and your just your thinking and your philosophies and approach to life into our pod space. It's um. Lovely. Thank
1: you. For having me on again, because um, like we've touched on in this episode, like I also feel like an alien just sort of fumbling around out there. And I, I love what you both are doing. Um, Joy, I love that I've met you through Sarah, like through this whole podcasting, mm-hmm. And we've been able to just kind of like watch as time goes on and sort of orbit each other. Um, and yeah, I just, I love the people that you have on your show. I love the topics that you're, you're just, you're not afraid to approach anything and um you both like speak your mind and you have people on that are also like you provide a platform for people to speak their truth and to come from a place of like and you come from a place of true curiosity um Mm -hmm. so thank you for having having me on again anytime good
0: to hang with you yeah let's do this more times all the times (laughs) and now that it's like slightly safer i want to come to one of your shows because you're really not that far from me so. Yeah,
1: come on up. Come on up. I'm here. Cool. Let's play music here, together.
0: You
2: know where to find me if I'm not at home.
0: Please take video <laughs> if I can't
2: be there when you all play music together. Oh, I, well, Sarah, I love you connecting should, people com- so much. Like, that's one of my favorite things. Sorry, is like when I introduce friends to another friend and then they become friends. I'm like,
0: oh yeah. It. <laughs> well, you should make a pilgrimage to the Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest and, um, and we'll all hang out and make music and um, talk shit about people perfect with kindness and curiosity (laughs) (laughs) investigation yeah uh all right well i love y'all thanks lauren so much
2: thanks
3: thank you sleepy today because I, I had my meditation group mm-hmm. the meditation
0: group Tuesday mornings and um, one of our sangha members passed away oh. um, of natural causes he was 72 he just like went went up to bed and said he was going to read and 15 minutes later his wife came up and he he was gone wow so I mean, it was just whew.
2: Have you ever heard the story about Colonel Bruce Hampton's death? I mean, he died on stage, right? He died at his like birthday show. Birthday show before the he just walked off stage, sat down backstage, and left. That's like, I don't know, but I mean everything you hear about Colonel Bruce Hampton, like that guy was an enlightened being that came back one more time just to have fun.
0: <laughs>
2: he could like meet someone and guess their birthday. Wow like wow. he, he had that whole philosophy he made it up like oh my god I can't remember It's like a whole musical philosophy you know he mentored so many musicians like yeah, yeah. he was he was dope
0: <laughs> man yeah I mean he yeah it's I and when I think about it like Evan too you know it's like Evan went out doing exactly what he wanted to do and so did you know Curtis and um so did Colonel Bruce and I feel like like that has to be that's the thing I've been thinking the most about is like you know I was writing about like how how we say no one gets out alive but I really feel like you know, if you, if you go out doing something that makes you feel alive, that you love, that you're passionate about, then like you kind of do get out alive, like in the yeah. middle of fucking living, you know? And, I mean, um, yeah, you know,
2: <laughs> there's lots of, I mean, depends on what your definition of alive is to there's maybe more than one way to yeah, be alive. That,
0: exactly. Exactly. That's, it's all about <laughs> like redefining what alive means. Like,
2: Yeah, Um, I really liked that, and I hope my chewing sound isn't on this track (laughs) in case we want to use it in the post.
0: Oh, yeah! I just realized we're still recording. (laughs) Um, I mean, mean, well, even if you are chewing, I was I was chewing too, and I was about to I was packing this bong while we were (laughs) talking. Like this is my meditative practice.
2: Hmm. (laughs) I did put the crunchy
0: chips down at some point. I was like, okay. French, French, French. hear them. Cool, because I feel like Lauren gave us a lot of food for thought here,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and, um, and I don't know, like what it is about talking with other, like specifically women songwriters, but I feel like you know, there's just like a a level of poetry <laughs> and. Um, humor with which you kind of have to learn to approach the world um in this body doing this work and um just having to uh grapple with all of the all of the obstacles so I think that she's yeah I don't know I just really appreciate the way that she lives her uh her art
2: yeah totally Um, I really loved what she said sort of about like the story of getting the name and just like being patient and sitting, being receptive. Cause that's been a big lesson for me is like, you know, obviously I'm female, but energetically I've. Often felt more masculine, even in like the way my brain works. I have a lot of male friends. I'm like that woman that can hang out with dudes. Sometimes I'm like, come on, even though I was talking earlier about looking at things all weird and system. See, this is the multi-level thing. Looking at like all the (laughs) different layers of something, I'm still often like that person's like, okay, focus, focus, make a decision. But um Mm You know, do the thing like that kind of masculine, like we're gonna get it done. Energy. So that was just a good reminder to me about allowing things to emerge instead of trying to force them and make them happen. Because I have still have a tendency to work from like my masculine energy, which is great. Like sometimes you need that to like kick your butt into gear. Like you know, we need the balance of the two energies. Right. You know? But um, like I really have been. This has been a big lesson for me that's been coming up in like tarot astrology apps (laughs) you know, like all my witchy stuff is Mm -hmm. like you're stepping into finally like your feminine energy identity so I appreciated that note
0: you know yeah and I I appreciate that too because I think I've been um less receptive to my feminine energy over the years as Mm -hmm. well um just from being raised in a in a very you know Fairly in patri- a patriarchal environment, and um, and then being in the military, and then you know going from the military to being married to a, a band full of men,
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> essentially, um, and that whole dynamic, which um, I'm not going to go into their specific dynamic, but. I've noticed there are a lot of groups of men who get weird around um, people who present as female but have a lot of masculine energy, <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, so it's like a constant balance finding that is I don't know I think I think creative work really helps like sort of embody it, but I think the work the the work that you do, especially like with tarot. And with, um, I think even your writing kind of gets at exploring uh, that dichotomy too.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, that's because I've been trying to write more poetry and stuff. So it's, you know, like I have to put myself in a more receptive feminine space and I just like I just want to specify for anyone that might be wondering this is like when we say feminine and masculine energy we're not connecting that to physical gender or even gender expression as humans do yeah. it it's just the feminine is the receptive the kind of like we're gonna chill we're gonna let it come the masculine is like we gotta go out there and do the thing
0: so just so people yeah know like the acting about. versus receiving energy
2: yeah, yeah exactly and you need both of them because otherwise right. you know wouldn't work um yeah, it's interesting. I've had but like my life path has been so different from you. I think I've been fortunate in that I've mostly had like really like great groups of guy friends that I felt like very at home in and you know, were my my soul brothers. So, mm-hmm. but you know, it doesn't always work out like that. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah.
2: But.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, you know, as Lauren was talking about, she's got this band that is her and and a bunch of men, which is, you know, always impressive to me when anybody can, um, successfully like lead a band and not have toxic dynamics, um, emerge. (laughs) Um, but especially, you know, a woman in a, in a patriarchy being able to, um, you know, successfully sort of like navigate the dynamics of a band full of men. um, that is I think super impressive personally but I and I also um you know I've had a lot of fears around like working with groups of men
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and so you know because of my own experience and yeah makes sense so it's really you know but it's empowering and it's inspiring to see because I know Lauren has had similar experiences Mm -hmm. and to see her kind of stepping into that and being like no I'm going to keep doing this I'm just going to do it with different people and keep, keep going and until I feel like it's right. And then keep going with that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah, actually that's what I was doing. I forgot I got sidetracked by the trauma,
3: but that's what I was <laughs> doing.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's like that whole Tim Leary, find the others thing. Like I'm definitely, you know, at the point where I'm like, I don't really care who you are, like i don't anyway, but like if you're one of the others, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like I'm going to know. So, exactly. And that can come in a million different kinds of bodies including white cis male bodies and they're fucking come on come to the party
0: like exactly i don't give a fuck (laughs) everyone's welcome as long as they want to be there you know exactly that's yeah that's and like i think the thing that this pandemic has allowed me to settle into is the fact that A, I actually really do like being alone. Mm. I think I was for a while uncomfortable with how much I liked being alone. And I was like, no, I can't like this so much. I've got to go out. But then I would go out and I would feel like I had to, um, you know, while I was in, in that relationship, I would feel like I had to be this person who was this role. And I felt way more comfortable not having to be that role. And so now I get to not be that role all the time. And having that time of, of being, um, being in sort of hibernation has given me a lot of freedom to like deeply appreciate it, you know? And yeah, yeah. I feel like, I feel like a lot of that part of me resonated with what Lauren was talking about.
2: Me too. I mean, and I had obviously like, I broke up with my partner during the pandemic, but we were both people that were on kind of like, we really respected each other's independence. So, but especially like living alone now though, it's like, really, I've been in the same boat, like appreciating my time with myself. And um, yeah, I used to because I had really bad social anxiety as a kid and like, I don't want to compare it to like the trauma of being in a war, or, like abuse or anything, but like the social anxiety was sometimes really traumatizing, you know, like yeah. I couldn't even look people in the face without blushing. People would make fun of me. And, like, even though I'm, like, largely over that, it was still, like, sometimes going out and being around people, I would feel, like, this anxiety and overanalyze the night later and, like, things like that, which is why I always like going to shows with people, is I felt like I I was around them and the people I love, but then I could be, like, I'm going to pay attention to the music,
0: so. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like, you can be both in and out of your own world as, as you choose. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that the um the, the thing that I've come away with the strongest is like I now consider myself in a non-monogamous relationship with myself yeah. <laughs> and my <laughs> I am my own primary relationship. I can and will make me as happy as I need to be. And if someone else wants to come around and be compatible with that relationship that I have with myself, which also like is super into other people, you know, like I don't hate other people. They just, (laughs) um, they they just have to be compatible with my primary relationship. Um, because what I realized is when we have to retreat inward, we either end up like going down a scary rabbit hole or going down like a really interesting one. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my interest, my rabbit hole has been both scary and interesting. Um, and, you know, it's been full of anxiety and depression and fear and all of the things. You know, I don't think anybody's trauma is less or more than anybody else's trauma. Trauma is trauma. I finished reading The, the Body Keeps the Score mm. over the past few couple weeks. I need that. I'll send you my copy. Oh, sick! Um, yeah, I got it in a neighborhood free group, and I took it as a sign it was time to read it. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So, uh, but yeah, it's but it's been really talking about it. you know it's just like we can we can get comfortable with ourselves and get familiar with ourselves. And sometimes when we're busy in the world, we don't do that. We don't uh-huh. have time to do that, and and um, you know we don't ever do the healing that it takes to get the lessons out of the trauma. Like I definitely know I was like I have been and can and probably still be, will be at times, like a large asshole to plenty of people who trigger me. Mm -hmm. But I at least now have had a chance of like taking pandemic time and creative time Mm
3: -hmm.
0: to like grapple with how to integrate that into my those traumatic experiences into my life, without necessarily always being an asshole to other people. <laughs> Not necessarily always. I, see that. <laughs> see that. See that really comfortable little caveat I gave myself. <laughs> I love that. I also like
2: non-monogamous relationship with myself.
0: Yeah, I mean,
2: I feel like I'm trying to kind of balance the things that worked for me in the pandemic with the things as we reemerge into whatever comes next. Um yeah, and I appreciated Lauren talking about her process and checking in with her a little bit later as things are starting to open up with cool timing. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I want to see her band and all of our listeners should check out buried blonde. Um buriedblonde.com. Buriedblonde.com. They're buried blonde on uh the Instagrams and I think Facebook and stuff as well. She probably has a TikTok, I think. She has, I think she does actually. I think I follow her we'll put links in the show notes to all of the the links but we're saying it out loud too because we know you want to hear that yes because we love lauren and so should you yes
2: so should you all thank you dear listeners may all of your rabbit (laughs) holes be scary and interesting in the best way possible
0: (laughs) fuck yes i love that (laughs) take take care what the folk fam we'll see you next time And, hey, here's a little Easter egg for you. My brand new song that Lauren mentioned. It's only available on YouTube. It's called Good Riddance, Fake Bitches. And it was therapy. Thanks for listening. Good riddance, fake bitches, and two-faced friends. I can't wait to never see you again. Too many good years of my life having. the chorus, that's right, good riddance, fake bitches. is co-produced and co-hosted by Sarah Baranowskis and Joy Damiani. Sarah is based on the native lands of Arapaho, Cheyenne, Ute, and Ocheti shacoan tribes, known as Denver, Colorado. Joy is based on the native lands of the Cowlitz, Clackamas, Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde, and Confederated Tribes of Siletz Indians, known as Portland, Oregon. Our guest has been Lauren Flynn, and featured music has been Like a Scar and Perfect Machine by Lauren's band Buried Blonde, and Good Riddance, Fake Bitches by Joy Damiani. Our website is whatthefolkpod.com. You can follow us on social media at whatthefolkpod and contact us at whatthefolkpod at gmail.com. Our theme music is from In a Major Key by Joy Damiani, whose music and writing you can find at joydamiani.com. Thank you so much for putting our sounds in your minds. We'll be back soon with more What the Folk in Your Face, and until then, as always, don't let the apocalypse get you down.